0: The Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as pasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepypasta Podcast. Hi, it's me. Welcome, this is the show it's I'm Jeff, and you know what the name of the show is because uh, it said it in the intro. Boy, I feel like I'm getting off already uh, to a bad start on the wrong foot. We're fine. It's fine. All of this is fine. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Uh, I'm here to talk about Preposts. This week is one by A A. Peterson from the No Sleep Subreddit. From where we get, oh, oh no! I had a burp from seltzer. Whoops! This story is from the No Sleep subreddit. It's by author A.A. A. Peterson. Uh, no Sleep is where we get a lot of our stories these days because we've kind of run out of um, popular creepy pastas, and it's very easy to just be like, "Well, let's see what's getting awards on uh, getting awards on No Sleep, and we'll just cover those." Uh, this one has been. I'm told it's like a very popular one lately, uh, it got gilded, which means, um, you, s- someone who likes the posts will pay for, uh, the author of the post to have the premium Reddit subscription, uh, and this was gilded twice, so, uh, AA Peterson got two months of Reddit gold for, um for this submission, which I think is pretty great. It doesn't have any flair next to it, indicating that it is an award-winning story in any way, but I know that they covered it uh, on two episodes of the No Sleep Podcast. One was paid uh, in Season 8, so it was, like, towards the end of the episode and didn't make the cutoff for the free version. And then another one was, it got, like, for a free version in between Seasons 8 and 9, you could listen to it without having to pay for it. Um, I don't know why I'm talking so much about the way no sleep works and sort of the meta context of this story. Oh, that's right. It's because I'm looking up who suggested it. This was suggested by Jason Lee, who is very active on the CreepyPodster fan group Facebook page, which I recommend you join if you want to uh, share creepy links with fa- other fans of the show. Um, the pinned post on there is where suggestions will be, and I every once in a while, when the suggestion list starts to get thin, I'll go in there and. Just add all the links to the suggestions. I don't. I don't care. It's fine. I'll. We'll cover all of them eventually. Anyway, I have returning guests from last week and from previous episodes before that. Please welcome back to the show, Cassie Kingsbury.
1: What's up, y'all?
0: And Lisette Voiko. Hey. And um, because Lisette covered crawlspace for us last week, this week it will be Cassie's turn to cover the Pancake Family. Um which the Reddit post is actually titled "MSFW," The Pancake Family, submitted 11 months ago to the No Sleep subreddit. Reddit. Go ahead, Cassie, when you're ready.
1: Yes, thank you for specifying that title. It's very important because I was going <laughs> to read this at work today uh, on my computer. Oh, it's good that you
0: didn't because it's not it, safe for that. <laughs> it's not
1: safe for that. So I read it on my phone, but uh, I actually think it probably would have been fine. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I will... Oh, God bless you.
0: Yeah, it keeps sneezing. Um,
1: stop it. So this story <sighs> blessed. I did your it again, heart. I didn't stop. Okay.
0: Okay, sorry, go on.
1: This story is set up in the structure of an interview. It's actually in script format, so there is uh, kind of paragraphs of speech intercut with someone who's noted as the interviewer asking questions. And as the story goes on, it's revealed that the person being interviewed is a retired uh, police detective, and...
0: By, by the name of Hobson Milgate, which is the most make-believe name I've ever heard in my life.
1: Hobson Milgate, and then of course they call him Hob, for <laughs> short, because if you're a detective named Hobson Milgate, obviously that's what you get called.
0: So yeah, not Mill.
1: No, absolutely not. Um, anyway, so I find this story, not to jump into the commentary already, but I find this story to be irritatingly well-written for what it is. <laughs> um, it starts out, the first sentence is, uh, the detective saying, that pale, huh? Jesus, I bet I look like a ghost. I feel like I have bled out two gallons. And it's just like immediately in this very interesting, um, sort of, um, dialogue style. And, uh, I hate it. So anyway, <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: Hold on, but you said it's well-written. Yeah. You just hate it because they spent all this effort on content that you don't like?
1: Correct. So anyway, (laughs) um, basically, uh, the interviewer is asking the detective about something that was a very uh, disturbing experience, but we don't know what it is. And then the interviewer is asking the detective uh, about this murder case that was from 20 years ago. Uh, the Driscoll family murders and a whole family disappeared from their home and no one knew what happened to them except that they found canisters of of something, empty canisters, and they found traces of high levels of uh, carbon monoxide in the home or the, the carbon monoxide alarm was going off in the home. So they realized that someone must have gassed the family with carbon monoxide and then uh, taken them away. So, no one knew what happened. It's a 20-year cold case. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt,
0: but can you please note uh, during your... As you go through the story, just please note the point at which you figured out the twist, because this is one of those ones that has a twist that is telegraphed very early on.
1: Oh, okay. Let me see. (laughs) Um, I think I knew what the twist was as soon as they talked about the Driscoll murders, uh, which is like, eight paragraphs in.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was it, it, it's the line where he says, uh, well, he wasn't a murderer, was he? Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there's okay, a line so where, same,
0: same as me, then.
1: Yes, the detective throughout the story keeps saying, oh, I wish that it had been a murder, I wish that it had been a murder, and they don't explain what they mean by that, but you immediately know what they mean by that. If you've read any creepy creepypastas, you just know. Um, and
0: the title, the title of the story gives it away
1: yes it certainly does so uh anyway um i forget what happens at that point um the oh the detective gets contacted by a newspaper reporter who uh meets him at a cafe or something and she's like an attractive blonde gal according to the narrative uh you know so someone who seems to be on the up and up and not uh not someone who's trying to pull a trick on him and uh So he, uh, the, the reporter rather says that she has some information on the murders. Um, she and the detective end up going to this like old warehouse. I'm just going to get right into it. They find a lot of weird stuff in the old warehouse. Um, they find large hydraulic presses and some other like hospital equipment. And then they, like, go down in the basement, and what they find is a stack of bodies that have been flattened into pancakes! But, and this is, this is the strangest part, they're not dead. They're still alive as pancakes. So, big twist that nobody expected at the end there. Uh, yep. Basically, there's a murderer who has, uh, for twenty years, uh, slowly but surely crushed this this entire family. Uh, I I think I guess the idea is they were crushed separately and then stacked like pancakes. I don't know why they was that specific about that part, but
0: um, well, yeah, because the reporter uh, is like, oh, I guess that's the whole family, right? Um, right, right. So
1: basically, they they
0: didn't know, the, like the the detective thinks Sorry. that
1: they're they're dead because they're like flattened people so you would assume that they're dead uh however then uh the the person on the top of the the stack uh like opens their eyes and starts breathing and eventually starts screaming and talking there's like a reason for that like they I I literally don't remember I feel like there's like a pump that inflates the person's lungs and then they're able to talk again or something delightfully gross like that and um yeah so the person on top says oh, please tell my family or, that you know, where I am or something about their family because they don't realize that their family is stacked underneath them like a stack of pancakes, you see. Like some
0: kind of pancake family. Exactly,
1: like some sort of pancake family. Um, And then this reporter comes in and goes, oh, well, gosh, that's just the whole family right there, isn't it? And uh, that (laughs) devastates all of them, prompting the detective to shoot them all uh I guess in the head and Humorously
0: all through all through the head with one bullet he gets all of them. Right,
1: because they're all again, if you haven't understood what we've been saying, they're stacked <laughs> together like a bunch of pancakes. <laughs> and uh yeah, and then that's kind of the end. So I I'm speaking about this in a very lighthearted manner because it's such a lighthearted topic, but really the the narrative itself um is so uh dark and the, the detective has a very strong voice in the story and um, he keeps having to interrupt himself like to throw up and say oh my god and ask for a sedative because he can't uh, tolerate the horror of what he has seen so I think that you know it's, it's something that is portrayed in almost a really realistic manner but then the thing itself is so fucking ridiculous <laughs> yeah
0: and uh, uh, uh... that's it there's the twist at the end oh, sort of oh, oh, where wait, wait, wait. Uh, Sorry. He, he mentions the reporter uh, and says, you can uh, make sure she's okay, too. And the interviewer is like, we checked at that newspaper and there's no reporter by that name. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. No, they don't say we checked at that newspaper. And that's the part that bothers me a lot about this story. <laughs>
0: it, wow.
1: One of the things that bothers me a lot about this story <laughs> is that um, they just say, oh, there's no there's no one by that last name on the staff at that newspaper, but they don't say that they ever checked. So it's just kind of like, it's like yeah. the, the, the author wanted to deliver the twist too quickly. Um, but also there is a reference in uh, earlier, the, the reporter's last name is Bamer, And the detective thought that one of the pancake people was saying, uh, Bane or error, Bane or error. And just saying like that strange phrase over and over again. Um, but then of course we can, assume that they were actually saying Bamer, which is the yeah. name of the reporter. Slash pancake
0: attacker. Huh. Well, uh, Lissette, how did this story hit you?
2: I loved it until I started hating it. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Uh, did you predict the twist early on based on the title and the uh, very heavy handed foreshadowing?
2: Um, I I had kind of thought that, like, that was the way it was gonna go, but, like, I I was like, why would it do that? And then it did that? <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Um, yeah, this is a really weird one. Um, because, like Cassie said, it's very well written. But the thing in it is stupid as hell. It's just, like, <laughs> frick dumb. Like, why? <laughs> uh, like, you can go uh, you can have your your sadistic villain be outlandish and have it work like any of the Thomas Harris uh novels they all work like uh the tooth fairy is a pretty ridiculous villain in red dragon but it works like it's he's scary he eats a painting in that book and it's still a scary villain like he goes to a museum to find a painting he's obsessed with and then he eats it And that's stupid, but it's fine, it works, and Silence of the Lambs' buffalo bill is, like, so over-the-top outlandish, like, making people moisturize their skin so it can be nice and soft when he makes a suit out of it, and none of that even comes close to just how completely bonkers dumb it is to be like, yeah, they got hydraulic pressed a quarter of an inch every year for 20
2: years until they were flat and they're still alive. Like, it made what? me really mad, <laughs> yeah, like whatever happened to like science and like <laughs> and,
0: it's like, it's, not, it's not even something where it's like, well yeah, I could I see the logic in that, like a uh, human centipede, where not nah, probably wouldn't work in real life, but it makes some sort of logical sense. this one wouldn't work in real life and doesn't make any logical sense.
2: No, and that's what upset me because I was like sitting there for a second. And I I gave serious thought to okay, how how would this work if if I wanted to accomplish this right? And and you literally can't because of brains and skulls and spinal columns and lungs and digestion and it just like it was so disappointing because it was really well written and this person obviously has a gift for dialogue and they just kind of like pissed all over it with this like we're and donk. <laughs> twist at the end, you know?
0: Yeah, it's so...
1: That's not even how you make pancakes! You don't just squish <laughs> things into pancakes! You have to mix up a batter and then fry it in a frying pan, or put it on a griddle, or whatever.
2: Even the...
0: Even the comments, which, it's in the rules of mostly that you're not supposed to break uh, picture or do criticism in the comments. Even the comments are like, this is this doesn't make sense. Like, one of them says, I deeply regret reading this.
1: <laughs> well, that's not necessarily <laughs> saying it's not real, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. There's another one uh, that starts with, this is terrifying, but it's just so out there. Uh, and another one that's, how did the hydraulic press pancake them and yet they were still alive?
1: <laughs> how did it pancake to them?
0: <laughs> it's so... It's like... I want to know what this person's thought process was.
1: Can uh, I um, say sure... that?
0: Go ahead. Oh, sorry.
1: Um, I was just thinking, you know what this imme- immediately made me think of was uh, a story that I believe that you have covered on this show, and I don't know what it's called, but it's that Japanese comic where they go into the mountain.
0: Oh, yeah. The Enigma of Amigara Fault. Yes, um,
1: that one. So that has uh, a twist also where people are being uh, squashed into wrong shapes, but still being, they're still alive. And it's like I, some kind of specific type of body horror that people might be interested in or excited by for whatever reason that I definitely am not. But its I'm not saying this is anything like as good as that story because I think that was much more effective. But I think that just the, the actual physicality of it was very similar.
0: Yeah, uh, I will say that the reason that one works and this one isn't doesn't is because that one establishes some sort of otherworldly force that is making people get into the holes. Uh, it like we see the main character have a dream about going into the hole and being stretched out. We see before that other characters being like, "This hole is shaped like me, and I have to go into it." So there's like that magical realism aspect to it from the get go. Whereas this story is trying to be scientific about <laughs> the fact that these people have been getting squished for 20 years. Where where's their food go? What about peeing and pooping?
1: I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't even want the answers to those <laughs> questions, though. <laughs> I, just don't want, I just don't want this at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they would burst before getting squished. It's and also, just...
1: why, tw- I mean, 20 years is a long time like, nobody found this warehouse, nobody came to inspect it, nobody smelled anything, nobody heard anything. For yep. 20 and years? Some,
0: some of the people were children, so I could see maybe them growing into the shape of being squished, but I feel like that would make it harder to squish them, according to the logic of the story.
1: What logic of the story?
0: <laughs> exactly. It's just, it, the, it does not establish how any of this works.
2: You know what? I wonder if I really wonder if the author was just really trying to like, like take the piss out of us, for lack of better expression. Mm.
0: Yeah, it could be that um, they wanted to do this insane, heavy, like gravitas PTSD pop, uh, narrative, and then have the thing be just really dumb and stupid, so that we would feel stupid for reading it. <laughs> um,
2: it's like a B-movie.
0: Yeah. I've heard this author's name come up before. I'm pretty sure they're like a well-respected person in um, in the No Sleep community. Um, it's just so... I'm not seeing any that we've covered on the show looking at their submitted posts, but yeah, this was the fir- their first submission.
1: Can I just add one detail that I forgot that is just makes me even please. angrier thinking about it? Uh, the detective recalls that about a month after the family disappeared, the police department was <laughs> mailed a breakfast menu with like the pancakes circled on the menu, and he says, uh, "I should have known. I <laughs> like, should you you have figured it out."
2: It's like, should you have?
1: And also, that is so ridiculous, like, this this not-murderer, this pancake-maker being like, I know, I'll send them this clue of a breakfast menu. It's just so
0: ridiculous. Then they'll figure out that I'm turning a family into pancakes. What? Why would they? The insinuation at the (laughs) end
1: that the the reporter woman is the, the... I keep wanting to say the murderer. Really? The detective is the murderer? This is my question for you all. Do you think... The detective will face any legal consequences for killing these people who were technically still alive.
0: Well, that's why he's being interviewed.
1: Really? I don't know. It just made me, it, to me, I. it seemed like he's being interviewed, but I don't know that they would charge him with anything, is my question, I guess.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. Um, maybe. Uh, Lisette, what do you think?
2: You know, I think it depends because I'm going back into the world of reality and science and facts. Um, <laughs> I think it depends on what state they're living in. And one of my problems with the story is it wasn't given a specific location. So to me, it's just like any town USA. Mm.
0: It felt like the Pacific Northwest to me. Is that weird?
2: I feel like you've mentioned before that that's where a lot of serial killers come from. That is so true. So that might be why you put it there. Yeah. I just, But to me, hmm. it could be like Massachusetts. It could be, I don't know, like it could be New Jersey. It could be, it could be anywhere.
1: I literally just assumed New York in my head because I feel like like 90% of cop shows take place in New York, or at least I yeah. have the impression that they do. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that was something that I, I sort thought about. of.
0: I sort of got the feel of uh, the Fargo TV series. I mean, except for the ludicrous nature of the murder, um, it's like it's got that sort of extremely serious small-town cop vibe. I I didn't imagine a city at all. Um,
2: I kind of felt like Sin City a little bit. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. That also had the same, like, extreme type of violence to it, too.
0: one, One good cop in a world full of bad guys, type of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, or at least like you—you you know the feeling of like the guy who's been like a lifelong cop, right? Like he probably wears like a white shirt, like you know, rolled to the elbows, and he wears like a tie, and he wears like you know, khaki pants. Loose. He has a shape in a week. <laughs> Right, like he has like a stub of like a cigarette or a cigar. Or, like you know, he drinks whiskey. Like that it kind is- of guy, yeah, absolutely.
0: He—he he, he doesn't trust the goddamn Batman. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's got no accountability, and he wishes Gordon would stop using him. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly yeah. who this guy is. This uh, this was covered on, I said mentioned before, on the No Sleep Podcast, and it's read by the uh, creator and curator of the podcast, David Cummings, in what I feel is probably his best performance. It's got nuance, uh, he does a really good job uh, really capturing... Sort of that sort of like airy feeling that people seem to have after trauma, where they're like, what? What's going on? Where am I? Oh, I, I have to remember this story. Uh, and he does a really good job capturing that. Uh, and I think his performance enhanced the story, whereas if I had just read it, I would have been like, ah, I'm not, I don't like this. I mean, I didn't really like it, I didn't hate it. <laughs> Uh, the pancake stuff is extremely dumb. It's so dumb. It does not make sense.
1: I was just thinking, I think that it would have been scarier and more effective if the and this is what I thought was actually going to be the case. When they first see these big hydraulic presses, if the people were still under the presses instead of removed and stacked like a stack of pancakes, like, I get it, okay? I understand what was trying to be done here. (laughs) But um, in my mind, that would have been like, seeing them in that position would have been, uh, probably way creepier, because the whole, like, the whole stack of pancakes thing, like, <laughs> I just can't, I can't take it seriously for even a moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, I guess that's the, the, uh, I guess killer, it's not a better word, It is technically kill them.
1: The pancaker. The killer's...
0: Yeah, the Pancakers... <laughs> uh, the Pancakers' whole thing was seeding this new lead after 20 years so that he could be like, Ta-da! Get it? They're pancakes. Also,
1: I was really disappointed that when they were stacked up, they did not have, like, a big old slab of butter and syrup on them, because I was expecting yeah. that. Oh, no! No, but... That's...
0: I feel like if he you're... did a bad job plating them. If you're going this far... <laughs>
1: To make it this ridiculous, like, go full ridiculous. There's no reason to hold back.
0: He basically like, he tortured this family for 20 years as a (laughs) gag. Yeah. It's like, not even a pun. It's not like pancake family is a pun on any kind of phrase. He just like, turned the family into pancakes.
2: Why? Like, why this family?
0: Yeah. Why this family? Why pancakes? Why any? (laughs)
2: <laughs> Why any of this, indeed.
0: <laughs> I just... I don't know. It's especially weird uh, because it's so... It's, it feels so real. All the dialogue feels real, and then they get to the pancake house, and it's pancake people. Like, what? Come on. Give me a break. Just have them, like, chop them up and make them with the soup people. The, the soup family, I could, I could buy that. Ugh. Anyway, uh, do we have final thoughts before we go on to Spookiest parts?
2: I kind of really dug how it was written like a transcript, but I kind of hated it at the same time.
0: Yeah, it takes a little bit of getting into, because the first, like, one two three four five six seven eight nine lines with line breaks uh, are unlabeled. Only the interviewer uh, is labeled, and we get nine separate lines without responses between them before we get one thing from interviewer.
2: Right, and we also don't know who the interviewer is, and like, you know, maybe some background about that person would be cool. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I didn't write yeah, it. Presumably, some young detective, uh, but. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't know.
2: (laughs) Who knows?
1: Why anything?
0: (laughs) Yep. Cassie, any final thoughts?
1: My final thoughts are, it was dumb and I hated it, but also it was kind of good. But also it was really dumb.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with creepypastas is, well, actually, no, I don't know if we've ever gotten one that was, like, this well-written while also being so stupid (laughs) like usually the ones that are dumb are also bad and usually the ones that are good are also like chilling and kind of clever this one is not clever but it is like well written so i don't know it's it's a there's a first time for everything uh give me your spookiest part then if you don't have any other uh final thoughts cassie
2: oh my gosh what is
1: the spookiest part I don't, you know, it's hard to say because the twist was really easy to anticipate. Again, I think only as someone who's read enough pastas now to anticipate this sort of thing, because why would you otherwise? Um, yeah. So there wasn't really any part that was like spooky, but I did find a lot of the, uh, the detective's uh, interjections into his own storytelling very effective. And I think the part that I was most affected by is like he's just telling the story, and then suddenly he's just like, do you have a trash bin? I'm going to vomit. And then, like, throws up and then continues his story. Um, and that was kind of, um, you know, even more so than his actual just stating how distressed he is. I thought that that was a, an effective thing to put in there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree uh, that the, the narrator's interjections, uh, they sort of keep you out of his recollection. Which I think is good because the more time you spend with the Pancake Family, the more time you just want to go outside and yell at the sky. What's <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> that? What is your uh, what is your spookiest part for this one?
2: Yeah, uh, I think it's again. I agree with you guys. It's the detective's interjections into his own storytelling. And the specific one they got me is where he was like, there's a paramedic ready for me, right? Like, just in case, like, you know, I yeah. pass out or whatever. And um, that to me is just like a clue to my lizard brain that is 30 years old and still slightly afraid of these sorts of things. Like, that's like a warning to me. I'm about to read something really scary. However, at the same time, it doesn't really pay off because it's so ludicrous. I can't even get on his wavelength to feel that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I don't know if I have a spookiest part necessarily. I kind of like the uh, description of the confession letter where the letter just says, stop printing lies. I never killed anyone. It just took a while to get them ready for rent. There was no safe
1: Oh, I hated that so much. Sorry.
0: The getting-them-ready-for-breakfast thing is obviously stupid and dumb, Um, (laughs) but the unsigned letter from the killer is always a chilling moment. Um, Like, uh, just even a a phrase as simple as this is the Zodiac speaking, it just puts a chill in you, Uh, or um, any of the Jack the Ripper letters um, are also, like, extremely chilling to read and he signs them from hell, and it's, like, that's it's very good. Um, this isn't obviously of that caliber, um, because it is a fictional monster, and also the thing he did was really stupid. Uh, so it's not quite there, but it reminded me of things that I find scary, so I'm gonna say it's my scariest part. Um, let's get into our plugs. Cassie, where can people find you on the internet to interact with you in the ways that you have deemed appropriate?
1: Uh, please don't interact with me, but if you want to look at my cats, my Instagram is at loveofstrings, and also I'm on Twitter at, at loveofstrings.
0: Thanks. Lisette. how about you?
2: You can find me on the internet as long as you Google Lisette Voitko, because I'm the only Lisette Voitko in the entire world, according to Google. So if you do that, you'll find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Medium, on Tumblr. Uh, Basically, any platform that you can sign up with your name, I've done it. So find me on those places. But mostly, I would love it if you read read me on Medium and followed me on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks.
0: Cool. You can find me, of course, in the usual places. J3FK on Twitter, weaponizedlanguage.com, aka funtimes.online. You can go to etsy.com slash shop slash fun times online to order Perler beat sprites. I take commissions. So if you don't see something you like, we'll, uh, work out a deal. I'll give you a quote and then I'll send you the thing and you'll send me the money. It'll all be great. Uh, although I do like the Bob's burgers designs I have up there, I designed the pixel art upon which the beat sprites are based. Uh, so I'm particularly proud of those. You can order the entire Belcher family for $5 a piece. Um, That's, uh, who is it? Gene, Louise, Bob, Linda, Tina, and... Is that it? It There's just two parents of three children, and I said all of them. Okay. Um, you can also go to... What was the other thing? Patreon.com slash JeffJK, where you will get two episodes of this show every month. Well, mostly this show. It's mostly me reading stories we've covered on this show. But sometimes it's a bonus episode of something else, like I had a little extra outtake clip of a conversation from the end of the Someone's PC Pokémon podcast recording that was one of last month's audios. Uh, you also get a written thing. That's just $1 a month. Just $1. Please? $1? Come on. That's nothing. You can afford a dollar a month. I would say you would go one day without that second cup of coffee, but it's even less than a cup of coffee. It's like half of a cup of coffee if you're going to uh, 7-Eleven. Even a smaller fraction if you're going to Starbucks or somewhere like that. So come on. Come on. Dollar a month. Um, that's it. That's all for now. That's all uh, I have to say. You know what? I did highlight a good finishing line, and I think it's, gosh, you know what? Yeah, yeah here it is. This is how I want to do it. This is the end of the show. May I have my sedative now?